Hello, and welcome back to Brown Sheep, the podcast for finding your flock. Today, we're joined by Molly Cease, photographer, videographer, the best hip-hop dance instructor I've ever had, and a dear friend. Molly graduated from Belmont almost a year ago, and since then has been working as a full-time content creator. How does it feel to be back? Weird, not gonna lie, in this Google-esque building that I've never (laughs) been in before, but I'm happy to be sitting across from you. I wouldn't have it any other way. Now, I kind of want to talk and give a background of, like, how we know each other. Yeah, go for it. Well, we, did we meet, it was last year. It was. Content creation class, funny enough. And we did Belmont Vision office concerts together. We did. That's, like, Um, the first time I... I had no idea who you were, and then all of a sudden, everybody was throwing out this name, Isaac. Do uh-huh. you know Isaac? Do you know Isaac? I'm like, I have no idea who this man is. <laughs> who is this man? Well, I was, I mean, I was gone for a year, right, doing military and then study abroad, and then I just pop up out of nowhere. Um, and I think my favorite memory, I think it was this year, actually, when we went to Athens Family Restaurant. That was so good. That was like our first catch-up after... That was after, like, my graduation. Yeah, so right. that was like a what's going on in your life, what's going on in my life kind of thing. And I think it's so strange. We're both very busy people. And then just be able to pick up right where we left off, you know? Yeah, those are the best. Those are my favorite kinds of friendships. And then it's like maybe we don't talk for a couple months, but then we're going to have so much to talk about when we do get together. And I love it. Yeah, for sure. That was the first time we ever really sat down. And I think... You mentioned you were adopted before, but I'd never really gotten to talk to another adoptee about those kind of experiences. Totally. I think I also didn't know about you until we really, at Athens, when we sat down and we just like talked about our experiences. And I really, really valued that because that was the first conversation out of the four years I've been here at Belmont that I've had with another adopted person about the experience and like what you feel and, and all of that. So I very much cherish that conversation, and I love that we're continuing to have it. Well, I mean, that really was the inspiration for the podcast, not to be sentimental or anything, (laughs) but um, because these conversations don't happen, you know, and it's not—I think it's like one out of every 35 Americans are adopted. That's crazy. Right? That's actually so crazy. We're two in 70. Yeah, two in 70. (laughs) I can, yeah, I got that. Girl um, math. <laughs> but like, okay, tell me a little bit about your family and your adoption story. Yeah, so I have a mom, a dad, and a brother. My brother is adopted from a different family. And he was adopted first, and I came along second. So rewind way, way back when my parents were trying to have a child and they tried for a long time and they realized that they couldn't. And so that's when they decided that they still wanted to be parents and that they were considering adopting. But they had my brother and they really wanted a second kid. They didn't want my brother to feel left out. And so they started the process of looking for a second child and they found um, a little baby and brought her home and had her for I think it was a couple of, it was either a couple of nights or maybe a week or two. And the birth mother decided that she wanted her back. And so they had to give that baby back. And I can't imagine how difficult that was for my parents to experience. But lucky for me, then they got connected 
with a, I believe they had a connection that was at a pro-life rally, believe it or not. And they got to talking with this other gentleman that was also at the rally and come to find out he knew a girl that was pregnant and that was looking to put me up for adoption. And so this connection got a hold of my parents and long story short, they like went through with it. They signed all the paperwork and I was basically theirs. I was theirs before I even came out of the womb. My mom was having a really hard time emotionally regarding the, the baby that they had to give back. And so she was pretty adamant that she didn't want to be at the hospital with me while I was being delivered. She basically just, she didn't want to get attached to me before it wasn't like official. And so when my birth mom was in labor, my dad was in the waiting room and then I emerged into the world and yeah, they signed the paperwork and I had to stay, I was born in St. Peter's, Missouri. So I had to stay over in Missouri until like I could like become, I guess, a, an Illinois resident. I don't really know how, how that process works, but my parents were eventually able to, to bring me back over to Illinois. And yeah, that's like the origin story. Wow. That's a lot of, I don't want to say coincidence, but almost fate, really. Very, very much so. Yeah, definitely, like, everything happens for a reason. Because, like, what were the odds that their connection was going to be at this rally at the same, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's very, yes, it's very, like, all the stars aligned type of situation. So I'm hearing, I don't know, a lot of adoption in your family has always, like, have you grown up? knowing has it been a normal thing like with your parents yeah so i actually recently had talked to my parents about it this last summer vacation because i i couldn't remember i was like i don't did i ever ask the question like you know i know some people don't talk about it i know everybody's situation's different but my parents had told me that like it was a very normal conversation that we like had growing up like we had you know little children's books that you know told you explain the story or whatever. And so I, I grew up knowing it and I grew up being proud of it and like telling everybody, all my little friends, you know, that were in my life. So yeah, it was never anything that was like weird to talk about. I remember reminiscing on like children's books with some of my okay. roommates mm -hmm. and I was talking about, did you have the book A Mother for Choco? That sounds actually so familiar. It's like a little, like maybe it's like a duckling, a little yellow bird mm -hmm. and he can't find his mother. And then like a big brown bear like adopts him, and then you see like she has a bunch of kids like like hippos Aww. and dog like that's really sweet. No one else has grown up with that <laughs> book. It was just me. It's a great book. I definitely recommend reading it after you listen to the podcast. Did you have anyone who you could kind of look up to who looked like you? Mm, that's a great question. Honestly, n no, not really. And I feel like we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I think being a person of color and growing up prop honestly like before we'll just I'll just throw out like 2015 maybe I don't know if that's accurate as to when things started to become a little more diverse but like there wasn't a ton of representation in the media and so like the the first movie that I can like remember seeing like a person of color be the main character was like Princess and the Frog. Like, and I was never like a princess girl. So it's not like I was like looking up to Tiana. I mean, she was 
a boss. She had her own business. I loved her. But I, I can't say that I had um, a role model that that resembled me physically. Um, but like mentally and emotionally, obviously, like I've always looked up to my parents. They've always been people that I've I mean, they're they're the reason I am the way that I am today. So I've always looked up to them. Yeah. And kind of like thinking about family, what about your relationship like with your brother being a fellow adoptee? Yeah. You know, we, we've never had like a conversation about it like this. I think the first, the first time we really kind of dove into it and talked about it was this past family vacation. Like when we were having the big conversation in general. Yeah. We, we didn't really get along <laughs> until he moved out of the house. Honestly, <laughs> like we fought a lot and we are very, very like fundamentally different people, which is interesting because we were raised by the same people, but we have grown to get along like a lot these days. And I really, really enjoy spending time with him and being around him, but it's never been a topic of conversation. I think that it has always been so normalized in the family that it hasn't even like occurred to me to like talk about it. Maybe we just haven't uncovered that part of our relationship. Maybe that's something that we'll get into down the road. But thank you for asking that question because now I'm thinking about it. That's great. Let me know how it goes. Yeah, no, totally. But like, I don't know, like to that point, you know, your mom's your mom, your dad's your dad. Yeah. Your family's your family. And sure, like, I mean, in a family picture, like we kind of stick out. Sure. But, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't do anything differently. Yeah. It makes me very, very grateful for everything. And like, I really, really lean into the fact that I'm just like, everything is, is happening for a reason because I wouldn't be here if all of those little things didn't play out. Like one little thing could have been different. And even in my parents' life, and it could have completely changed like butterfly affected the entire thing. And so when I'm like super, when I get a little emo and I'm with my friends and I, I just think I'm like, I'm so lucky to be in front of you right now, you know? Cause like things could be so completely different. I love Vietnamese food. And there's a stint where I didn't eat red meat, not for any like, health or religious reason i just wanted to try it mm -hmm. honestly but i remember i would sit down at this place miss saigon it's over in west nashville and sometimes i'd go by myself but i would always get like the beef pho mm -hmm. just a big bowl of soup like there's sirloin tripe all this meatballs whatever that means <laughs> but it's all this stuff and like i wouldn't tell anybody obviously you know i don't eat red meat but I would sit there, you know, pluck the the bean sprouts, put them in the the mint leaves and the mm -hmm. lime and all that sort of stuff, and think like, in a completely different life, this could be the only thing that links American Isaac to Vietnamese Niem. Mm -hmm. For all I know, I could be working at. American Eagle making, well, not even like an Outfitters, but like an Amer American Eagle factory. Mm. 
making clothes that, you know, I wear and take for granted today. And in both timelines of the Isaac Wetzel multiverse, that bowl of soup is like a treat. Yeah. And I take it for granted and I go to Miss Saigon at least like at least once a month just because I can. I can just drive over there, but yeah. that's just not it's a completely different scenario, different lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's strange. It is strange. When you start the it's it's literally a multiverse when you think about it like that. Like yeah, in some other timeline, in some other world, you could be in Vietnam living a completely different life, doing completely different things. Makes you like yeah, it just it makes you take in everything. It really grounds you, I feel like, in the moment that you think about that and and you become very like aware of how amazing life is and like how different it could be but it's how great it is the way that it is miss Sa- miss saigon is that mm, where you go yes i, I drive past it because i live in west nashville mm-hmm. so i want to i would love to go there with you as well and then you go to k&s right after and oh you just... i love k&s it's so cheap it's just such a cool experience there's oh, the something whole... <laughs> about listen here's here's the thing this is the tangent i've been on recently they you grow up in school being taught that america is this melting pot right and then you grow up in a small town and everybody looks the same and everybody has the same opinion. And you're like, what is this melting pot that we speak of? Then you go into KNS world market and I'm just like, you know what? This is, this is what I want. I see all kinds of different people speaking all kinds of different languages. I'm like this, this is what I wish America was like. This is the melting pot. Don't forget the live catfish in the back. Live catfish in the back, dude. Absolutely. And yeah, I just have a, I have a, a great appreciation for KNS. I agree. That was me in LA and well in Australia, but LA was the first time I was surrounded by Asian people. Yeah. And it was wild because I didn't feel like I fit in with the Asian people of LA being surrounded by, I guess, my culture kind of, but I never felt like I really belonged in my white Catholic school. Mm -hmm suburbia either i think that that's kind of i mean i relate to this experience and i feel like it might be a universal experience and we talked about this before but like you grow up surrounded by people that don't look like you and then for me personally like when i got to belmont and i was approached by students that were part of bsa it was like my first opportunity that was given to me to really like be a part of and experience like black culture. It's not something that I grew up being exposed to, I guess. But then it was like, for me at least, I was experiencing a bit of imposter syndrome because I'm like, okay, yeah, absolutely. I'm a person of color. And like, I can relate to y'all on so many different levels. But also I grew up and was raised in a white family in a white town and I and I feel like I'm missing parts that will make me feel like I don't fit in. Mm. And it's also something I experienced during the BLM movement. Obviously, I, I, I marched. I supported it. But while I was walking downtown, there was a part of me that felt... I don't even know how to describe the way that I felt, but it was like 
imposter syndrome. Like, you know, I'm half black. I, I stand for this. I, I represent this. People look at me and that's what they see. But also I haven't experienced a lot of what, you know, I haven't experienced a lot of racism. I haven't, I haven't grown up around, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard when you feel like you're like, okay, I don't fit in. I'm ready to be around people that I'll like fit in with, I'll blend with. And then you get there and you're like, oh no, I also don't particularly feel like I fit in here for a completely different set of reasons. Mm-hmm. When you joined BSA or marched with BLM, like for me being outside of that culture, mm-hmm there's a level of like solidarity and I feel that pain and I feel that suffering, but like, does it feel different for you in any way? It just feels, I don't know if weird's the right word, but when people look at you and perceive you a certain way and things are happening to that community and that minority but you personally don't experience it or feel it, it makes it a a bit odd. And I don't know how to explain it. And I don't know if I'm doing a good job of trying to describe it. But I imagine if it's a similar feeling to the way that you felt when you went to LA and you were surrounded by people that looked like you, but you still felt like you didn't fit in. Weird. That's the mm-hmm. word. No, it really It's just is. weird. Yeah. There's like a, di- it's like a disconnect. Mm-hmm. And I really wish I didn't feel that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's something that I want to explore more of and try to get in touch with that part of me. But it, it, it is, it's, it's a weird feeling when you're, when you're not completely there. When did you at least start to like kind of be curious about who you were and your identity come college? What, why, why Belmont? You know, I think that I feel like you, you gain consciousness probably like when you're like, I don't know, four or five maybe. And I don't know. I feel like there's stages and levels of like how conscious you are. And I think in high school, like on the latter half of high school is when I, started to realize like, okay, like I'm kind of playing this character that is Molly. And like, she has grown and evolved in this phase of her life, but we're just gonna like keep playing this character until we get to college. So I feel like it's something that I I probably could have, that's what I'm looking for. I could have explored earlier in life, but I think I thought it would be more convenient whenever college came around. It was another big chapter. I was moving away from home that it was just another stage of like getting to discover more about me, my identity, and and, and also grow in curiosity about life in general. And that includes my adoption story. And so it wasn't top of mind for a while. And then freshman year, I couldn't tell you what month, but Later into freshman year, that's when I got a DM from a random person on Instagram. And 
my best friend was visiting from out of town and I remember waking up that morning to that DM and just literally being like, what the heck? Like, what is this? This is crazy. And luckily I don't have any like trauma or like deep feelings about being adopted or really anything to do with my adoption for that matter. So I was shook, but I wasn't like traumatized from the situation. But my birth mom's best friend re reached out to me on Instagram and was like, oh my gosh, like you're you, I know you, I know your birth mom, I'm her best friend. And just like dumps all this information on me that I, I'm sure that my, like if I asked my parents would have told me, like they would never hide anything from me, but it was just like a lot of information in a, in a small amount of time, including pictures of my birth mom that I had never seen before. I didn't even know what this woman looked like. So it was like quite a bit to process in, in the moment. And it took me back a little bit. And the first thing I obviously thought to do was tell my parents because that's kind of a big deal. And so I felt, I don't know, it, w it was a weird situation because I wasn't mad or upset. More than anything, I think I was just like curious, but I knew that my parents were going to feel some type of way about it, as they should, like as protective parents would, as anybody, any parent would. Um, and so I told my parents and they were obviously pretty upset that essentially the opportunity for me to make that decision for myself was taken away from me. Um, but to be honest, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thankful in a way that that happened because I'm not sure when I would have like, it sparked a conversation between me and my parents that I don't know if I ever would have felt comfortable just randomly bringing up out of nowhere. And so since that point, I've, I've felt comfortable in expressing my curiosity about meeting my birth mom to my parents and especially my mom because I want them to feel as involved as they want to because I know it's probably, I don't know what it would feel like, but I could imagine that hearing your daughter say that they want to meet their birth mom can feel a little scary. But I'm, I'm thankful that it happened that way because now I've been able to have those conversations with them that I don't know if I would have been able to have if it hadn't happened. Yeah. How did they take that conversation well they took it well i would say that lots of lots happened on this this last family vacation that we went on i would say that's probably the the biggest time that i really expressed wanting to meet my birth mom in the near future and they took it they took it well and i've, I've had little side conversations with my mom about it just to kind of like uh, suss out the her feelings and in, in the situation and every time she's been been comfortable about it and even this past Thanksgiving I was like hey like are you would you be comfortable if we reached out to her come the new year and that's kind of the timeline that my mom was thinking too and so yeah that's that's like the as far developed as it has become but obviously there's going to be more in the future that's going to go down so mm -hmm. How did it feel to know that you could really meet your biological family? You know, before I talked to you about it, I think I 
maybe like took it for granted because I never thought about the fact that there are kids that are adopted, that that isn't even an option, that the closest thing that they'll get is by like sending in a DNA kit. And so after I talked to you about it, it really just, once again, it like really brought me down to earth and like how lucky I am not only for that to be an option, but for it to be a situation that I'm comfortable with pursuing, for it to be a situation that my birth mom is comfortable pursuing and that my parents are comfortable pursuing. Like, I feel like a lot of boxes have to be checked for that to kind of work out. And I'm very, very grateful that that is an option, that that's a route that I can, I can take. Mm-hmm. And where do you want that interaction or even relationship to go? That's a great question. I... I feel like I've been very careful to not have any expectations because I think that expectations can be dangerous when you're going into something that you have actually no idea what the outcome can be. And so I'm just trying to be as open-minded as I possibly can, you know, in a perfect world, like we meet, it's great. Like we like each other. She's super cool. And she's at my wedding in two years, you know, like that would be, that'd be amazing. But also, like, there's a possibility that we don't get along or we don't like each other or that she's changed her mind and she doesn't want anything to do with me. Like, there's a lot of possibilities. And so I'm just trying to keep a very open mind with the entire situation. But it's an experience that you want in your life. Yeah. I think that I'm lucky enough for it to be a possibility, so why would I not take it? That's a story that I can tell my kids down the road if if we have any. You know, mm-hmm. that's something that that's a, that's a once in a lifetime experience. And I feel that life is too short to not to not explore that. Would you ever want to start a family of your own? Yes. And I, I mean, pros and cons, right? I, I feel like my partner and I talk about this all the time. I like look back at, at my family and the obvious answer is yes, because life is beautiful and watching people grow is, is, is beautiful. And I know Maddie and I would be fantastic parents, but then it's also like, man, okay, the state of the world, like, is it morally responsible to bring another life into the world? Can we adopt? Will we have the rights to adopt? And when we, you know, come around to think about it, who do we get as a sperm donor if we decide that me or Maddie want to carry? Like, there's so many, do we have the money? You know, will we have the money for it? There's so many factors that go into it. But if we're looking for the short and easy answer, I think yes. I think yes. Yeah. Well, you're doing a good job with Winnie. (laughs) Winnie is spoiled for sure. She is spoiled. She's the most, like, polite softest like dog she's just a good baby but that's Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with us i mean maybe like (laughs) the smallest bit but like i feel like you just when it comes to animals sometimes you get good ones and sometimes you get bad ones regardless of how you train them and winnie's just a good one that happens with people too for sure or not for sure absolutely
talked about thinking about adopting. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did talk about that. And I think that personally, it would be really, really special to have a child that you can have that connection with, to be able to talk with about about those things and relate to with, with those things while they are along their journey, you know? Mm -hmm. You're passing down your culture and experience, but in a way that I don't think most of us adoptees get. Yeah. I feel like you don't hear, I feel like it's very rare that you hear of a parent that was adopted that also has an adopted child. Like do a, you? I, like a, I can't a, think of anybody off the top of my head. Like a second generation. Uh, yes. Yeah. I tried being a good podcast host and doing the research and finding numbers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There aren't. Interesting. And so you'll look up like any way you try to word it, it just gives you things about just adopting, you mm -hmm. know, and obviously very reasonable questions like. Do adopted children love their parents the same way they would biological? Or it's like, how do you bring it up to them? But mm -hmm. it's never a derivative adoption, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, you never go anywhere past that first level. I've never thought about it before. Yeah. No, that's interesting that you can't find anything. I guess I just assume that a number would be out there, you know, mm -hmm. a percentage. Yeah. Well, I think... I mean, family is important to me, obviously, but I found it very important that I know or have like blood relatives, you know, mm. biological family that I can call my own. I've always placed biological family as like really important. I thought there's some special bond that I've been missing in my life. Mm. I I think about the opportunity I was given. Mm-hmm. And that I could give that to someone else. Yeah. I don't think it's selfish by any means, but I've just never considered it Yeah, for myself. Well, I feel like it feels like what you're saying is, is basically you are under the impression that there is something, there's something special, there's some special connection or something when it comes to like biological family, blood related people and that it's something that maybe you're missing or you could be missing but it's one of those things that you won't know until that's an option until that's a thing right hmm. am i understanding that correctly i think so and that might just be a super deep something i bet there there is probably an article about that mm. i think what we've talked about and what we've kind of I guess chosen in our lives is family is who you choose and who chooses you absolutely not just like you know the people you see at family reunions and the people you eat Thanksgiving with but like your people mm -hmm. absolutely I think it if I've learned one thing as I've gotten older and, and have developed these relationships that I have is that Maybe there was a part of me that that kind of felt like maybe I do want, you know, to have my own children so they have my blood and they look like me. At the end of the day, though, like, I see how I love my family and I 
receive the love that my family gives me. And I also see the love that I'm capable of giving my friends and the love that I receive from my friends. And it's just like, it to me, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like the love is going to be there regardless of, you know, if we have kids, you know, how we have them and where they come from. Like I, I genuinely feel that you can choose your family like that for mm -hmm. sure. From your experiences being adopted and growing up a little on the nose, but as a brown sheep, mm -hmm. what lessons would you want to pass on to your kids? Mm. Ooh, that's a great question. <sighs> I feel like it's probably pretty like, I feel like it's probably cheesy, but regardless of what they would look like or where they came from or where they're going to school or whatever, but just teaching kids from a young age that it is perfectly beautiful and wonderful for them to be exactly who they are and exist in whatever they're feeling. And when you can learn to love yourself, I think that you can really go down the path of like finding true happiness if you can just love and accept yourself. And so I think no matter what, that is something that will be like practically preached to my family if we have them, you know, growing up is just, just do, just do you. Don't, don't, don't worry about what other people are saying or what other people are doing, you know, just do you. That is the most Molly thing <laughs> I've ever heard in the best way possible. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's just like, that's you, you know? So I, I try to be, I try to be that. I think that's what keeps me consistent. What keeps me on this line the most time is just got to remind myself that I'm just, I'm just doing me. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if you don't like that. It's whatever, but you do you, I'll do me. And let's just love each other and be kind. That's it. That's literally it. <laughs> well, I will counter you with an even cheesier do it. question. Do it. What message do you have for future you and potentially future family? What message do I have? Ooh. Mm. I've really worked on getting myself to, to think in the present and not think too far ahead. Um, this is cheesy also. I think after watching my family videos and seeing baby me and baby brother and my parent, like young version of my parents, which was so weird, but also so cool at the same time. But just like, remember, just remembering, never forgetting your, like your roots and like where it all began. Um, just like, I guess in a easier sentence, like remember your core, just like the beginning. And I feel like that's cheesy, but also until the other week, I didn't even know that that was like something that I needed or wanted to know because I've never thought back that far. I don't know. It made me feel things that I've never felt before that I'm still trying to understand and process, but I don't want to forget like that that was a 
an era, that that was a moment in my life that's very crucial and important to where I am now and where I will continue to go. So it's very like stay true to you. Yeah. I think that's probably all kind of what it comes back to. And I feel like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I feel like as we get older, I can remember like basically like screenshots from different years of my life. Like throughout high school, I can pick like a handful of things that really stuck with me and that I really remember like who I was and what I was feeling at that time. Same with like middle school. And if I thought hard enough, maybe elementary school. But as I grow older, those are things that I want to make sure that I remember because I think it's, it's just important to remember the last step, like where you were a handful of years ago and like how far you've come, you know, and, and the potential of where to go. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of what I mean by like, just remembering your core, remembering your, your roots is don't forget all of these things that have compiled mm -hmm. to get you to where you are. And through all those screenshots, all of those little memories that float around in your brain, what's at the core? What's at the core of Molly? Well, I think easy enough right now is, is the present because this is where I'm like existing right now, sitting at this table with you. This is exactly who I am as I am right here, right now. Um, but I think... Honestly, at, at, at the, the core of this, this era that I'm in right now of really feeling sure of myself, I, it really all started like freshman year of college when I, I, when, when I tell you, I genuinely, I like hit factory reset and came to campus during welcome week at Towering Traditions and we sat in a circle and we shared our stories. I was like, I, I took every single mask that I had off and and I was like this is my opportunity to just be raw and be real and I think from then on that is kind of like what I tried to stick with and I just told myself like if I present completely me then I'll attract the people that I want to and, and create those friendships and relationships that I want to and when things are meant to happen they'll happen and which kind of goes all the way back to the very beginning of my adoption story when all the stars aligned you know it's just kind of like i feel like i'm back to that mentality of just i'm just riding a wave just riding the wave of life <laughs> molly thank you so much for being the first to join the herd and bring your story to brown sheep yeah it's been an honor brown sheep is produced and edited by myself with music created by spencer dovey for more updates, follow us on Instagram at brownsheeppod and check out our website at brownsheeppod.com. As always, thanks for listening.